one of our favourites, one of the best people in cricket, not just as a cricket writer, but just as a cricket person, is Barrett Sunderace, and the best-dressed man in cricket as well, and he's been good enough to jump on the line with plenty to talk about. Barrett, hello, mate. Ooh, that's quite the introduction, Sam. Thanks, thanks for that, Sam. Oh, I, I, I feel very humbled already. I feel like I haven't sold it well enough, uh, Barat. But <laughs> can, can I just say, and I know that, and at risk of promoting <laughs> a podcast somewhere else, but the content was so important that I think it'll be okay that we do. Um, I haven't heard it all, but I've heard some snippets of the chat you had with Howie uh, on his podcast and how open and honest and vulnerable you were about where you had been in life. I won't spoil it all, but what you had been through, um, what you had lived through and where you currently are now, I just... Oh, I just thought it was incredible, mate, and, and a credit to you. So uh, to be able to share that in the way that you did and how you did, um, you're a st- you, it was incredible. Oh, thank you so much for bringing that up. No, I mean, oh, full credit to Mark as well. I mean, just how uh, open he allows his guests to be on his show. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm so glad you said that. Like, uh, it's not easy talking about the massive mistakes you make in life. Uh, I think we all do, but maybe not to the extent I did back then. But... Uh, no, I'm just happy that, uh, like I said on that show as well, and I've always said, I've always hoped that I would get a second innings in life. And uh, it's been a pretty good second innings. I can't complain. And uh, the next uh, over I have to face in the second innings, that's, I guess the Perth test, uh, the last three tests that David Warner will play, you'd think, for Australia. Well, we're going to talk about that in, in just a moment. But can I get your view on the events of last mm. night? We've had a lot of people calling in saying, why was the game started? Why aren't covers good enough to prevent rain from getting in underneath? Which GMHBA Stadium is not the first ground that's had that happen. Lords has had that happen. Yeah. So how this can happen, why the game was started and then called off, why couldn't they just bowl from one end? So there's a whole range of issues uh, in and around this. But what did you make of the events of, of the game between the, the Renegades and the Scorchers being cancelled last night after 6.5 Overs in what was pretty looked pretty dangerous, especially from that one end. It looked like throwing throwing the wahoo ball off the waves uh, to try and take slips catches at the beach. It was going everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it was. And I, you know me, I'll always back the umpires uh, to the hilt. Uh, well, you are one, so yes, like no, exactly. <laughs> and and no, it it is always a tough decision. And yeah. you know, at that level, when you have the paying the paying public there, the broadcasters have paid a lot of money. And you can say that, oh, that shouldn't come into the question, but it, it does, and it should. Uh, and to, to, as umpires, you try everything you can to make sure there is some cricket, some sort of a game out there. Um, and with regards to the covers and the water creeping in, you're right. I mean, it's happened all around the world, even at the uh, the best venues in the world, at test venues. You see, the, I mean, even the World Cup semifinal, uh, the reason that they stopped, uh, even despite the fact that the ground was fully covered at the Eden Gardens, they felt that there was this cyclone coming. Uh, and, you know, none, nothing those covers uh, that were in place could have done if the cyclone had come. Thankfully, we avoided it and Australia beat South Africa and went on to win the World Cup. So I think that is beyond any umpire or any ground staff uh, control when you have that kind of weather uh, in, in place. But uh, I guess the umpires would have decided to just give it a go and see how far they can take that game. Uh, but as soon as the player's safety comes into question, even if it's one delivery that misbehaves, mm. and you think, look, we got away with that one, the, the next ball could hit someone uh, in a place that could cause more damage, uh, you just take the players off the field. And I think that's what the umpires did. And once you call or, or take the players off the field, when it, then there are wet spots on the pitch. There's nothing much you can do unless uh, you can uh, kind of manufacture an artificial sun and dry the surface up. 
so now I'm completely with the umpires. There's nothing they could have done, but you can't blame the ground staff either for uh, the water seeping through. That's great insight. Is there not a situation where if they've got doubts and they're checking it out, do you, do you actually get someone to send a few down and see what it will do? Uh, you can't do that because that's the match pitch. Uh, so uh, that's the that, the and, and honestly, that's the issue the umpires have. Yeah, you really don't know how it's going to play out till you say, okay, play, and then you kind of hope for the best. And it looked like it was, yeah, the ball was doing all sorts, but it still looked like they could drag at least a ten overs out from that innings and maybe have um, a, a run chase in place. But once the ball starts misbehaving to that extent. Uh, you have no option but to but to call it off, and, and not to forget that there is another game coming up at the same venue in a few days' time as well. Right? Mm. Uh, yes, you can all you always have other pitches on the square, but you don't want to damage it to an extent it becomes unusable for the future or the near future also. So, uh, no, and we are at that stage of the tournament as well. Look, it could have been different if it was a knockout game. I still think they would have taken the same decision, mm. but then you can bring in other permutations and combinations. But at this t- time or uh, this stage of the Big Bash League this season, I think it was the right call. Yeah, I chatted about it earlier, and, and I was sort of of the belief that maybe they should have just erred on the side of caution from from the start. But I, I, I like the argument that you're putting up to say, hey, let's try at least to get a game and let's just see how it goes. And if we get the sense at any stage that this is not safe enough, then we'll pull the pin straight away because we don't want to put players at risk. So you've almost won me over with that because why not? Any chance we get to play cricket, we should be doing everything we can to get a game underway as long as we are not putting people and players in jeopardy. So I like the argument. Um, happy to be uh, have my mind changed. And I reckon you've done that. That's how good you are. Yay. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, Barat, just before we get to the test, you, you've been in the news a little bit recently. A little chat that you had with Mitch Johnson has found its way into the cricket, into the cricket world in no uncertain terms. Um, when you were having that chat, did you were you saying to yourself, "Oh, this is going to blow up pretty big, and I'm probably going to get a fair few phone calls about this"? Uh, well, I, I knew that the moment. Uh, someone forwarded me the article that Mitch had written, uh, I think on Sunday, was it? Yeah, the day before we recorded the podcast. Uh, uh, I mean, I obviously, uh, for some reason, can't uh, access the West Australian. But uh, yeah, I mean, once I read the piece, I was like, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> because we were going to record the next day anyway. I mean, our weekly mm. podcast that we do about his life and times. And this is the 10-year anniversary of his uh, the famous Ashes as well. Uh, so, but, you know, you just could not move on without talking about it or yeah. giving him a chance to talk about it anyway. And I think he was more keen than I was to have his voice out there and, you know, everybody mm. else had had a say about his, his words, his articles. So uh, that's how it started. But even the previous night, I'll be honest, I had a sleepless night. I was like, oh, okay, how do I, I mean, because I honestly did not uh, agree with uh, some of the opinions that he'd made, but that's, that's the beauty of opinions, right? Everybody yeah. has one. So, uh, and you stick with it. So, uh, but having said that, I still wanted to, uh, you know, kind of keep the integrity of the podcast alive. This wasn't an interview, or nor was he coming on my show to talk about his life. So yeah. I had to keep uh, that um, that that going. But at the same time, you know, make it more about him than me. Like I, I, my views or my opinions didn't matter. Uh, and I'm happy. I, I was very happy with the the finished product. To be honest, Sam, mm. I thought. Um, you know, he came across as honest and genuine, uh, and that's the Mid Johnson I've. Uh, come to know really well in the last few years. So uh, I, I do take a lot of uh, uh, pride in the fact that I gave him that platform. But, uh, you know, after that, if you want to disagree or agree, and as we've seen, people are divided about not just his opinion, but also about his words. 
Yeah, and I 100% agree with your stance since that you might not agree with what he's saying, but to attack him for having an opinion, which he has earned the right to have as much as anybody, um, he has said that he would have done things a little differently. Um, and maybe there's a couple of things he said that went to the personal. He's since given context as to why that's happened and why that sort of, why things have got personal between the parties involved. But the attack that he got from some sectors um, and in the media for, for having an opinion, I thought was, um, was out of line. Mm, yeah, oh, totally. Exactly. And, and then uh, are we saying that nobody can have uh, or have a proper go at anyone who's playing the sport currently or any sport for that matter? Mm. Uh, but that's also, I guess, a, a sign of the times we are in, right, Sam? Uh, uh, this is just one of the many examples you see these days, like when someone really puts their neck out there, and, and especially someone who's paid uh, paid to put their opinion out there. Right? Like you said, he he played cricket for Australia for many, many years, which is, again, what I said on the podcast as well. My perspective is very different to his because I've been privileged to see this current team up close and personal in the last yeah. few years. And you know them uh, all so well. Exactly, yeah. And I, I mean, I can say, put I stick my neck out and say, no, I mean, the work George Bailey has done with this side is remarkable. And ironically, the last piece I wrote from the, from the World Cup was you know, talking about the unsung heroes of this World Cup win, which is Andrew McDonald and George Bailey and Daniel Vittori, Michael Divinagar and Andy Flower and everybody else. And uh, and also David Warner. I mean, I was there in the ashes, right? Everybody else. I mean, Mitch was watching it on TV. And obviously, he brings a former cricketer's perspective, which is very mm. different to mine and everybody else's. So, but to say that, no, you should, how dare you make it personal or how dare you um, write it in the way you want to, I mean, that's kind of unfair. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Hey, um, this first test, so already there's some really interesting narratives coming in. I've found it fascinating that Pat Cummins, so put him to one side because he's the captain, so I think that puts him in a little different space. But Mitch Stark and Josh Hazelwood saying, no, no, there's no rotation policy anymore. We're playing unless we're injured or our form doesn't warrant it. We won't be resting. We won't be doing this. We won't be doing that. If you're in line, then you'll just have to wait because we did, although I just read some stats out earlier that maybe – uh, disagree slightly with with that take from from Josh in his uh, interview with Ben Horn, but are you surprised that we've got a situation now where players are being so vocal about what they think will and won't happen with selection? I guess I get it from Josh Hazelwood's perspective, though. Uh, you put his last two or twenty four months into context, Sam. His Test career in particular. I mean, what he's played the three Test matches. Uh, he broke down a few times, mm. uh, and I remember interviewing him for SEN before the last SCG Test against South Africa, and uh, he was also. I mean, he was so excited about the Test cricket coming up for Australia. Uh, I mean, with the four Tests in India, the the, the six in England. Uh, and he was so gung-ho about playing in all of them. And yeah. then he broke down again before uh, the start of the India Tour. So for him to say that, I, I, I get it. Like, you know, he wants to play, almost make up for the lost time. And, and don't forget, these are guys who are 33, 34 now, or approaching the, the, their mid-30s. So uh, they also, I mean, we speak a lot about David Warner, but these big fast bowlers who played all formats are also looking uh, at toward, I'm sure at this point, thinking about the end of their respective careers. And they yeah. want to make the most of it. Uh, and don't forget, Australia don't play uh, the same number of test matches in 2024 as they did in 2023. No. So they would take that into consideration as well. So I get where they're coming from. Uh, but, I, I mean, we've seen that in sport before, especially in cricket. If you are a fast bowler or a wicketkeeper, at times you just have no other option but to wait in the line and just hope that you get that opportunity. And when you do, and I just get a feeling that Lance Morris will do that, he will have an impact. Uh, absolutely. I agree with that. So... 
what are we expecting for Australia in the first test? One change, line in for Murphy, you'd think would be um, pretty much the only change um, from the Oval. Um, what can we expect from Pakistan, though? Can I mean, we're, we're billing this and all the promotion, Barat, is that see this team as this team for the last time, uh, for the last summer. Mm. Yeah, well, it, we saw, said the same thing about South Africa as well, didn't we, Sam, last year? And uh, it, 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 is, it is painful to, be, uh, to see what uh, this Pakistan team looks like right now compared to two months ago. I, I was one of them. I, I remember tweeting out saying, I can't wait to see Shaheen Afridi and Nasim Shah with a new ball in Perth two months from now. This is before the World Cup when the Asia Cup was on. And since Nasim Shah has broken down, and just seeing a couple of those teams, yes, it was a flat and slow pitch in Canberra, uh, but to see Kuram Shahzad and uh, even uh, uh, Mir Hamza, the left-arm fast bowler, uh, the pace, is, pace at which they were bowling, you're like, oh, well, I hope for the best now with Shaheen Afridi's record of breaking down in big series as well. And then to lose their key spinner, Abrar Ahmed, who's definitely ruled out of the first test we hear, uh, and to hear that, well, they're down to Noman Ali and Sajid Khan, who uh, uh, we saw play three test matches in Pakistan last year and have zero impact on the Aussies. You do worry about their bowling. Uh, mm. Look, there is Babar Azam. There's class in their batting. Shan Masood, test batting. Uh, is, is such a lovely batter to watch. And there are a few others as well. Abdullah Shafiq won us all over last year in Pakistan. But the bowling's a problem. And, at the, and that's what they suffered from four years ago when what they conceded 500-plus runs in both test matches. And at the moment, that's what it looks like. But you never know. Maybe there is a surprise in store. Let's hope for the best so that we get a competitive summer. What what do you think is going to end up being apart from when he or will he or won't he or it's all W's and the final W is the W for Warner. Yes, put that to one side. What do you think is going to be the biggest story of the Australian Test summer? We've had a caller call in before Andy from Taralgon who who asked is asking everybody to give their their top three Australian Test cricket moments since two thousand and the suggestions have been incredible and far ranging and a brilliant trip down memory lane. What will be the story from this summer for you, Barat? Uh, I guess, I mean, if you leave David Warner's uh, a grand farewell. Uh, <laughs> and look, and before we even move on from that, I, I said this on uh, another show yesterday on TV. I, I really do think he's underappreciated in Australia. Leave everything aside. I mean, what he's done for Test cricket at the top of the order yeah. is remarkable. I mean, he's a, he's a pioneer. And, you know, you look at his averages. Uh, he's got that test average in spite of batting the way he has and not because yeah. of it. And I think that's full credit to him. Uh, so his final test, that final innings, I'm already looking forward to his final practice session in, at the SPG. Uh, so that'll, you know, how much I care about those things. Uh, so uh, <laughs> it'll be quite something. Uh, I, I guess for me, I just get a feeling that Lance Morris will play at some point mm. and um, he'll have that big impact. I, I saw him in train, training sessions uh in India, uh, even last summer, there is something about him. It's not just the pace. There's something extra about uh, this kid, and I'm really excited uh, to see him go. Uh, well, apart from that, I guess it's just a rise and rise of Pat Cummins, to be honest. I mean, what mm. a year he's had. Yeah. Just think back to the last time you saw him captain on these shores in Sydney in that rained off test, and just see where he is right now. I mean, everything that he's learned and experienced in the last Nine, nine or so months. Uh, you know, it, it's been an amazing journey. And uh, uh, and I, I'm so excited that Australians will get to see this Pat Cummins lead this Australian team on their shows again, uh, even though it's just been nine months since uh, he did it. 100%. I think, put yeah, put aside about the what you, you might have a personal view on the people themselves. But as a team, what this team's achieved, 
should be celebrated and we should be getting there en masse this summer to show our appreciation for what they've achieved. And it's a big one, Barat, and I've got to let you go, but we've seen really poor crowds since what happened with Justin Langer in Perth for international matches. And it was embarrassingly low, the crowd last year for the test. I don't put any faith. I don't put any credit to the argument. Oh, it was just the West Indies. If you want the test and you love test cricket and you love Australian cricket, then you show up or you don't get a test anymore. So it's a big, it's a big, <laughs> big occasion for the people of Perth who show up and show out for just about everything. One of the best stadiums in Australia. There is no yeah. excuse for not being there. You don't want to be losing test match rights because you continue to not show up in protest. Yes, you've got a fair argument for your protest, but you've got to let it go at some point. Oh yeah, protest from home if you want to, but like yeah, I mean, like like you said, the opposition shouldn't matter. Uh, you're getting to see uh, some of Australia's greatest cricketers or, or modern day cricketers anyway. Yeah. Uh, I mean, why wouldn't you want to go out and watch Travis head bat or Pat Cummins oh, or Nathan Lyon back in the in the flesh, you know, playing Test cricket for Australia? Uh, I, I mean, these are real heroes, uh, and I really do hope, like you said, and you have your own Mitchell Marsh as well doing some wonderful things at number six. So there's plenty of reasons to come and watch Australia regardless of who they're playing against. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, it, there's no excuse for this not to be a big crowd when we get there on Thursday. Barat, love your work with Crick Buzz, SEN Cricket as well. You'll be there with the whole team uh, for the first test on Thursday. Can't wait. Thanks, mate. Uh, cheers, man. Thanks so much. Uh, he's a very good human being, very good cricket writer and commentator, Barrett Sunderason uh, on SEN. Uh, we've got to quickly get a break away and come back before the news. 